It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by former Syracuse basketball player Mookie Jones. We talked about Mookie's new role as a head coach and athletic director at a Syracuse City High School and how he uses his past troubles when talking to his current players. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. Today's guest is Mookie Jones, and he's filling me in on some stories I wasn't even aware of. Uh, so we're going to have a good time today, I can tell you. Uh, Mookie, uh, it's great to see you. How you doing? You too, brother. Great to see you. Everything is good. I'm just blessed to be here. Well, I, I, I get it, and it's great to have you. And, you know, I, I, as soon as I saw you, I, w- I went to the opening night of the Elite Basketball League about a week or two ago. Uh, first night at the gym up at St. Joseph's Church here in, in Camillus, New York. And yep. out there on the court, yeah, I see the usual suspects, you know, the guys I expected <laughs> to see. I see Simeer Torrance, you yep. know, playing at Syracuse. He's going to transfer to Binghamton. I see Trevor Rowe, young kid out of Fayetteville <laughs> Manlius High School, son of Matt Rowe. Uh, yep. I see all the, you know, these kids. And then I see this guy. <laughs> I, see a, I see a familiar face out there on the floor, and it's Mookie Jones. Yes. Yeah, out there playing with guys. Yes. Some young, talented guys. Yeah. Yeah, 10 <laughs> or 12 years younger than you, at least. Yep, yep, yep. Why are you still out there running up and down with these guys? Well, i tell you this. Uh, you know, over the years, especially, you know, getting older, up there in age, um, the stomach is getting so much bigger. And I hate to work out and anybody on that Syracuse staff, uh, you know, when I was playing with no, I hated the weight room, but I love playing. So, you know, it's the easiest way for me to stay in shape, um, especially with wearing so many hats. It's definitely uh, an easy way for me to keep the, you know, the stress off. Um, it's, 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 it's a peaceful thing. And you get to be with the youth. You know, I get to run around with these guys and try to keep up with them, you know, more so than me dominating. I'm trying to keep up with them and kind of just, a good challenge uh, to see where I'm at, you know, as far as um, how can I keep up with these guys and just, you know, just challenge myself in a way to just see. I'm, I'm looking for the next young guy to give me 40 points every night, you know, and, and it's scary. It gets scary because these guys are so talented. So it just it just drives me to keep going, you know. It's a way to, to stay involved in basketball. Obviously, I can't play the NBA. It's <laughs> no more college. Um, definitely overseas thing is out of the question. So this is this is my piece of my freedom and my way to get back to the game and stay involved. You know, the, your game was a little bit different. You were inside a little <laughs> more. You were using your size. Yeah. But when yeah. you stepped out on, on occasion at that three-point line, I tell you what, yeah. the jumper looked the same. 
the 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 It ain't going in. It's not going in no more. <laughs> Had some big shots that night. It didn't go in. So I'd rather pass it. <laughs> Folks, he he's he's being modest. Uh the jumper still goes in. It's still pure. Okay. Let's let, let's set the record straight. The the jumper, the form is still what we saw at Syracuse when you were there from 08 to 2012. So Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you know, it. The uh, you know, you're out there with these young guys. You're working with young guys now. You um, yes, you're coaching at the high school level here in the city of Syracuse. You just yes. finished your first year ever as a head coach at OnTech. Yes. Yes. Yep. What's it like being a coach and especially coaching at the high school level for you? I've been at this thing for a while now. So, uh, you know, I had some experience to be around some great head coaches. And obviously, you know, under the legendary Jim Behar, uh, playing for him and being around so many other coaches. Um, it's just a way to get back to the game. So it's a learning experience. This is a whole different generation. Um, so, you know, every day you have to adapt to these guys and kind of get with their program more than, you know, kind of just doing everything that, that you expect, you know, your expectations for them, you kind of, kind of meet them halfway. So it's just never a dull moment for me. And um, just to see the, you know, just the growth and, and the potential in it, you know, I just love it. It's bigger than basketball. As I like to say, you know, most coaches I know, you know, it's about the career wins and, and winning state titles and stuff like that, things that we're all familiar with. But for me, it's a brotherhood, um, you know, for those couple hours, even if it's just a workout, for those couple hours, I know those guys are safe for me. Um, they're not in the streets of Syracuse. Um, and they're having fun and they enjoy it and they love it, you know, and they love it. And so keeps me young. Um, it keeps me going. It, and it just keeps me motivated. It keeps everyone motivated and it's positive. So, you know, it's been a great overall great experience. Um, but I, I, I started this thing back in uh, – so Ontech Charter is a brand-new school on, on the west side of Syracuse. It's only been open for five years. So when I walk into this program – it was only open for two years. So I walked in the second year that it was open. We only had two grades. There was no basketball program. So we actually started back in 2014, 15 with just six or seven games. And every year we try to increase the games and, and, and build a build a team from there. We got hit with COVID for those two years. So we got a, a big setback on that. But that uh, last year was our a big, you know, a big stepping step stone experience for us to get, um, you know, some more playing experience and get some great high school teams out in the area. Um, and then over this year, on the athletic director's side, I've been uh, just working and trying to establish this program. I was able to get us into the OHSL League, uh, where next year we'll be fully in and uh, looking to make a run for a state title. Um, and we have not just basketball, we have other programs going as well, um, as far as girls volleyball now. Um, both JV and boys basketball, I, 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 varsity basketball, I coach both. So it, it's been it's been challenging, but again, it's been a, a great experience. You know, it's an amazing opportunity to, get to walk into something and build it from scratch and kind of, you know, make it into your own and, 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 and you know, build a culture here, you know, so it's been amazing. And we talk about building this program. Like you said, you you had the, the interruption of COVID, which could yes. really kneecap a program that's just getting started. This past year was just the first time the school fielded a full varsity squad, right? Yes, sir. This is the first, just for as the first official year, official year for varsity. And a lot of those young guys uh, that's come into this program that playing at the JV level kind of phase into that varsity uh, setting. So these guys are already familiar with each other. They got the chemistry. Um, we're a smaller school, so we'll be class D. 
Um, we lost a lot of games by 60, 70, sometimes, sometimes 50. Um, but if you look at, you know, how we're playing on the court, you wouldn't notice. You would think it's a, a, a tie game, the way the guys went out there and compete and gave, gave it their all. And then when I looked at the schedule, I realized that all, this, all the games that we played, all the teams that we played were Class A teams. And next year we're going to be in the Class D schedule. So, of course, we're getting blown out by, you know, 40 to 50. So I can't wait next year to see how we do in the, in the correct class that we're supposed to be in. So. How do you keep the young kids' spirits up and 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 keep them in the program when you're losing just about every mm. game and you're losing it by a wide margin? It's got to be hard for a kid. Oh, it is. It's tough, but but it's tough for both of us because you know it's not the basketball that I know <laughs> that I know and I'm familiar with. But uh, it's being realistic with them. Um, it, it didn't start off the best, you know. Long, very long talks. I can tell you this. There's times where we're supposed to be practicing for two hours, but instead of practicing, I'm talking for two hours because it's, it's it's definitely important. And the guy I always say all the time, the guys that don't want to hear it, you probably won't be here long. You know, I'm just being I'm just being honest. And anything I preach on a basketball court goes into the reality of real life. Um, it's just it's just how it is. You have to commit to something. You have to be willing to to work at something. You have to be willing to fail. And everything is not going to um, just happen in a day. Nothing happens in just a day. It's it's a process. So, you know, I've, I've, I mean, again, talking about it is one thing. I wish I can have a visual for people to see. I shed many tears with my guys. So being vulnerable, um, you know, crying. And not just crying because uh, losing or because we want something right. When these guys are doing something mid-game, when these guys are, are, are gelling at the right times and doing the right thing, I'm in tears because of, of, of just, the, the, just the process and just the commitment and just how beautiful it is when they come together and make it happen. So when these guys see that, out of their coach and a guy that's, you know, well-respected in the area or in the game of basketball, they know it's serious and they want to give it back to me because they know I'm giving them 110%. They know the sacrifices I'm making. They know that, you know, there's the sleepless nights. Um, I know that, you know, for them to be student athletes, how tough it is on them, for them to go in their environments every day where there's not much motivation. So it's a, it's just a true brotherhood, man. And it's, and, and, you know, we just, a, we're just a family, you know, they, they crack jokes on me, uh, 24 seven, uh, you know, and, and I take it, you know, and I give it back and, you know, that kind of breaks the ice. And when kids are comfortable, when kids know that they have someone in their corner, regardless if it's on the court or off the court, they'll run, they'll run through a wall for you. So it, it, it makes my job much easier. These guys are coming to, uh, coming to play and they know what the expectations are for not just them, but for all of us as a, as a whole. Is your role here not just as coach, but for some of these kids, are you also like the big brother, father figure, uncle figure, whatever it is? Um, you know, are, are you having to fill that sort of role for some of these kids too? Oh, for sure, for sure, especially at OnTech, and that's just that's just our overall community. Uh, people step up in many different ways. We're not just all right. If I'm I'm the dean. Uh, I'm, I'm the gym coach. You might see me be the gym coach, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, life skills coach. We we fill in everything for our kids to be successful. It's all about them. So we make all the sacrifices necessary. So, yes, I, you know, some days I'm on definitely a lot of times I like to say I'm the big brother. I feel like I am watching my my little brothers and sisters, as I like to tell them. They drive me crazy. Um but uh, you know, it, 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 that's that's what it's all about. You know, you gotta give you gotta give them all. These kids need it. It's not about me. Um, it's not about no one else. It's about these kids, and we just want them to go far in the future. And we know that. Well, I know, you know, firsthand that it comes from 
having the support, you know, just from Syracuse all the way down from Peekskill all the way up to the whole entire New York state without that support that I had, I couldn't be here with them. And I let them know that every day. So, you know, my way of giving it back to the people who, who, who step forward for me is to do the same for, for these kids. So I'm there with them, regardless if they choose to play basketball or not. I tell them all the time, once you enter my brotherhood, you're in there forever for life. You know, it's a forever thing. You're at on tech now and been building that program, but you got your start locally coaching at the high school level. Um, through a guy whose name's going to be known for Syracuse uh, natives, uh, Cornelius Vines. Yes, sir. He brought you in at Nottingham? Yep. Well, no, well, at Nottingham, uh, that was Greg Jones at the time. And this was actually – Greg Jones is a legend as well at Nottingham. Um, I came in his his last year, his retirement year. Um, So, again, that was – I was – Cornelius Vines was eventually – he was there before I got there originally. He was there. Him and uh, Coach uh, Coach Spates from Henniger, and they both left and went to Henniger to take over that program. So uh, Lamar Kearse, another local legend, um, uh, had kind of put me up to this opportunity, and I came in uh, with some great with some great coaches. Uh, uh, you know, Greg Jones, obviously, um, Mick Walker, uh, my other brother from 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 Westchester. Um, it was a great coaching staff. So to, to kind of get my feet wet. To come in and there and not expecting. I thought this coaching thing would happen when I was at the age that I'm at now, you know, in my 30s. I was about, you know, just freshly out of college. I just actually just graduated, played overseas for a little bit. Um, so when I came back into opportunity, it just kind of set me forth into the role that I'm in now. And then after that, after leaving Nottingham um, that year, then the very next year, um, Reggie Pickard gave me and Cornelius Vines a, a huge opportunity to come to SAS to kind of uh, help build that program. This is after Samir's, uh I said, it's after Samir's last year before him going to prep school. We was hoping to have him and coach him. It would have been, it would have been a great, you know, a great thing and, and, and such a sweet season. Um, but I came there, I was there for the two years with Cornelius Vines helped building that program, which he did a phenomenal job at. So that kind of set me into um, getting an opportunity to come to Ontech as well, you, you know, with all this experience. You know, I was just, I had a special coaching job um, being assistant to Cornelius Vines and, uh, and and Troy McGriff as well on the JV level would come in and work with both teams and help develop develop guys and develop the program. You know, as you coach these kids at the high school level, you can pull on a lot of different life experiences, even though yep. your life to me, you're, you're still so very young. Uh, but you have a lot of life experiences that you can uh, lean back on and talk to these kids about. I mean, and some of them are great, like your opportunities, uh, you know, your your high school recruiting, re- being recruited yes. by big time programs, being able to go to Syracuse, but also you you had a uh, you know you hit some roadblocks over the the course of your career. Um, yes, I don't know if you want to talk about maybe some of the main ones oh, yeah. That, yeah. that have formed you and formed who you are as a as a person and a coach. Yeah, well, well, I have no problem speaking about those things because uh, without those things, you know, I couldn't be where I'm at. And, uh, you know, especially being a, a high uh, recruited player coming out of Peace in New York, you know, winning three state championships in a row, um, you kind of can get lost in, 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 into the, you know, to the antics of playing basketball. Um, and sometimes you, you kind of lose sight of what you what you 
what you're actually there for. And I can honestly say, you know, coming into Syracuse, um, it was a lot of distractions. It was uh, for me, you know, for me, I can't speak on everyone else, but I don't think I was mentally uh, prepared at the time for that level. So now for guys like me in those situations, and I'll look back at it, I think prep school would have been probably the best options for maturity wise, mm. um, responsibility of being able to know how to uh, time management with, uh, you know, making sure you're at your workouts, making sure you get your classwork done, your playtime and those type of things and taking care of your body, those type of, you know, those type of things go into it. But I didn't have that. You know, I jumped right in. I jumped right into it and it came with some learning, a lot of learning curves. But, you know, the biggest thing for me was the support that was around me that I, that I always appreciate Syracuse, my family and fans for, um, you know, a lot of times I did hit those roadblocks. But the most important thing is, yeah, I had to be the one to step forward and, uh, you know, make the changes and, 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 and walk the walk. But there was the people that pushed me that a lot of people didn't see. So when you have those experiences, you could, that's just something that you never get away from. Those are actually like. It's honest like a cheat sheet. It's those are tools that people are giving you. Um, and again, it's, it's to get yourself into a better situation, um, to get yourself out of these roadblocks, to become better as a person, as an individual. Um, but it's most important that once you succeed uh, that and once you figure those things out, it's very important to get back to the next to the next one. You know, I remember Seth Brown, you know, just uh, a huge mentor of mine still to this day. I remember, you know, being in his car and telling him at SU, Seth, one day I'm going to pay you back. You know, I'm going to pay you back for, for what you've done for me. And um, his response, he stopped the car immediately. He was like, hey, man, uh, you don't owe me nothing. You know, if you want to pay me back, you make sure that what I'm doing for you and what others are doing for you, that you're doing for the, for the next ones coming up. So once he told me that, I mean, you know, and, and just being and just being positive and just always pushing forward, things the things just laid where, where they're supposed to go. You know, when you're staying positive, and you know now, you know, what's trouble, um, you know, learning what your assets are and learning what your liabilities are and, and eliminating those liabilities as much as possible. Just try to make all the, all the right moves and make all the right plays. Um, you know, that's going to set you aside from the things that used to hold you back and kind of hinder your growth. It's amazing what it, what it can do. You know, it's amazing what it can do. And when I look back, I just can never get away from it. So I spend most of my, most of my life now speaking about that, wherever I'm at, it doesn't, be surprised. I'd probably speak more to adults about these things <laughs> than I do with the kids. And, yeah. and, I, and I, and I'm involved with a lot of kids uh, because, you know, life is a, is a never ending learning process. Um, and you, your past is, is something as your guide is your guide to uh, what your future may be. Um, a lot of people don't like to look back in the past, but that's just a, a huge thing for me because yeah, I went through a lot of things and yeah, I don't agree with a lot of things. I don't think that a lot of those roadblocks were directly my fault, but I took ownership into the part that I did play in it. Yeah, I asked myself, why was you in it? Uh, be, hold yourself accountable. Don't point the finger at nobody and just fix it and move and move forward. And then when you do that and, you, you know, it, it, there's no stopping, you know, anything that you want to do in life, you know, and, and, and surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, I have so many mentors and so many brothers and, and, and family and sisters that, that helped me along the way, I, I'll be here forever. And they know who they are, you know, and, it, and it's a never ending process. I'm still meeting people that, that can uh, motivate me and become a mentor to me. So when you allow yourself to do that, um, you know, it's amazing on how much ground you can cover and to, uh, you know, become a successful. You know, you said that when you were first at SU, you were young, you really didn't take the academics seriously enough. Right. right. 
your senior year, you end up getting dismissed from the school for an incident that wasn't about academics. It was about a cyberbullying incident. And as I understand (laughs) it, you and the young woman have made amends. Everything's okay on that front, right? Yep. Yep. But you're out of school. Mm Mm-hmm. And, but you you worked hard to get back in. And it's not yeah. listen. The school didn't just say, okay, come back after a certain time. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the process that you had to go through to get readmitted? And and why did it mean so much for you to do it? Oh yeah. I mean, well, like when you when you going through it, I remember, you know, I never I'll never forget the day that uh can, can you see me looking breaking up here. You see me? Can, you break up every once in a while, but I can hear you clearly. Okay. Um, let me try to fix that. Okay. Um, yeah, so when you when you when you're going through that process, um, it gets very dark, you know, and I and I explained this over over a million times. And uh, you know, anyone in life that's going through something, it just it don't have to be just basketball. People know when it gets dark, you know, when 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 things hit rock bottom, you start to you know, start to look in places that you shouldn't be looking. <laughs> and that's and I, I like to call it self-destruction, right? You got you got to almost self-destruct to build back up. Um, and you know, in those times, what comes into play, what's important is family. And I said, like I said again, the people that you have around you. Um, and you know, God kind of bless you with some things. So during that process, man, uh, it, it wasn't just one thing. You know, for sure, one thing is is, is definitely stay out of trouble. You don't want to cause more trouble on yourself. So. Once you figure that out, you know, <laughs> that's the first step. You know, what am I doing myself? Um, and a lot of those times, like I said, Cornelius Vines played a huge part in that, you know, for us to be coaching together. We worked out together that whole summer. Um, we worked out together that whole summer with a trainer. We played together, those type of things. You know, stay involved in basketball. Wendell Williams, another one who played, uh, went to Herkimer, ended up making it to the NFL. You know, these people start coming into your life. Um you know, your mom and dad, those family, like I said, those 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 people that, that support you and keep you motivated and, and tell you, you know, to keep going and keep pushing, that's the number one thing. But then the other steps that, you know, what it takes to get in there, you gotta have you have to show to school, you know, what you're what you're doing to become a better that you learned your lesson too. They're not just gonna let you in because you sat out. They wanna know what you've been doing. So uh on top of that, uh Nate Pena, who was another legend. In, uh, in, in this area that people may know or may not know about, but he runs a program called the Pastor Rock Program. Um, and uh, I That's think Stan Kinzel, Stan Kinzel got me uh, uh, connected with this guy. And again, I, I didn't know Nate from, from a hole in the wall. And um, he immediately accepted me as a, as a little brother. And he started putting me into things that I don't think, I don't think he knew what he was doing for me, but he was more so, again, trying to serve the community um, that he serves. Um, and, and bringing me into it, a, a local, a local, a local guy from, from Syracuse, you know what I'm saying, or a local guy from New York that's 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 going through it that can re- relate to these kids. Um, and he started with just bringing me to schools to talk to kids. And if you remember me at Syracuse, I wasn't such so much of a big talker. Um, <laughs> probably in the media every now and then, a little immaturity here and there, but you know, not really comfortable with it. And um, yeah, you know, I remember. And yeah, taking me out of my taking taking me out of my comfort zone and putting me right in front of 50, 50, 60 kids that's just looking to hear anything. Um, you know, anything or not expecting, you know, who's this guy? Not not knowing of me, just knowing I put that Syracuse and just speaking to them about making good choices and um talking about some of the mistakes I made and, and some of the experiences I had. That went from one school to another school to another school after that, you know. And then before you know it, he had me coaching T ball. 
<laughs> I was coaching T-ball with the young kids, you know. Um, so I, I was fine. And before I knew, I forget that, you know, I was suspended from Syracuse after a while because this was a, a normal thing going around and being involved with the community and showing my face in places that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been able to uh, see if I didn't get myself in some of these roadblocks. Um, so when you start doing those things and you start seeing the feedback and um, just the just the excitement on kids in an adult space when you walk into a room, yeah. that kind of gives you a sense of purpose right there. So when you have that, that's one thing. Um, I have two children at home um, that, you know, that needed me the most. So that was a big thing, too, is that, uh, hey, you know, what are you going to what are you going to do with your life? You know. Um, you know, you suspended from school, you're just sitting around, you know, it's good that I got to spend the time with my kids you're playing basketball. You don't get to spend much time to see your kids you're fully on you know, I'm there all summer, all year round. Um, so you start to find those purposes right there. And uh, I just remember during that time, again, you know, arguments with my mom, my mom was getting tired of it. You know, she was like, you need to go get a job at Walmart and peace skilled. I'm like, we're arguing like, ma, I cannot work at no Walmart. And, and there's no disrespect to anyone who, who who works those type of jobs at all. You know, you got to do what you have to do. But for me, I just didn't feel like that was it, you know. And I know sometimes it was, you know, she see me just laying around and just, was it you know, Was it because, she, I'm sorry to interrupt. Was, yep. it be, was it because you didn't want to be Mookie Jones, former, you know, big recruit SU guy, being noticed by people at a job. Oh yeah, that was that was it. That was it. But I already, you know, the thing was the sacrifices again. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the sacrifices was already made. When I remember, um, when I got suspended, I, I worked a job at Dick Sporting Goods. I went to Coles first. You know, I went to Coles for an interview, <laughs> not even just not knowing, but just trying to figure it out with the Coles. And then I ended up working at Dick Sporting Goods. Um, doing the overnight shift, and, I, and the job I picked was to be, you know, loading boxes in the back because I thought nobody would see me. Sure, you know, and uh, you, and and when I not knowing, not having worked a real job before, when you working back there, I thought, you know, hey, I'm still athletic, strong. Let me get all these things out the way, and I can just sit around till my shift is done. No, I believe my manager, supervisor, is like, yeah, we'll walk around the store and get familiar with certain areas, and then that's when the, you know some fans would see me walking around Mookie Jones and. Even my work coworkers would thought it thought of some type of incentive or some some type of punishment. I'm like, no, this is reality. <laughs> You're doing these jobs. Um, yeah. you know, before you were able to get some of these jobs, you know, we, the stories have been mm -hmm. written. My, my colleagues Donna Detota and Lindsey Kramer have have written some stories about you and and the process you went through, uh, the university yeah. went through. You know, at one point mm -hmm. before you were able to get readmitted back to Syracuse and before you were able to find jobs. You had to go through the process of of applying for the food stamp program. Yes, yes, and that's that was the and that, real. Um, that's the real deal. Yeah, that's the real deal. And the thing is, that's uh, what you know. For, for me, I think the, the 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 hard part was actually going there. You know, it wasn't the the fact that I growing up wasn't easy. So I remember when food stamps was the size of my hand, um, and we had you know. It, it would be paper, you know, so I was familiar with it. You know, I, I, I grew up, I grew up on that for a while coming up. Um, so I was familiar with it. You know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, what it means back then, um, you know, to have food stamps and, and, and to have those services, you know, when my mother's working, you think everything is just made, you think everything's so easy, but it's not so easy. 
Right. And so, you know, when you're playing basketball, you don't have those responsibilities. You kind of forget, you, you don't think about those type of things. Um, but when you, when, when, when you lose your scholarship, you don't have no money coming in. Um, obviously I was evicted from my house. I couldn't pay, I couldn't pay my rent, my side of the rent. I had three other roommates. I couldn't pay my proportion of the rent. Um, things started getting tight, you know, things started getting tight. And, um, that's what I said with family coming to play because it was my family that, that kind of, uh, motivated me or, or more so, um, insist that I, I applied for, for emergency food stamps. So, you know, being walked through that process, I remember going to the heat program because the electricity bill had reached up to over $3,000 and it was in my name. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, my, 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 my mom drove up, my mom drove up here and uh, helped me go to the heat program who helped me downtown. You know, that started with there. And then the food step process, she was like, you have to go on your own. You got to be there at eight in the morning, this and this. So I remember just standing in that line and, you know, you do it, you, 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 you're kind of trembling, but you know, once you're there, you know, I'm, we call it, you know, in my family, we have different things for it. We've been through, we've been through so many things in life, and we like to call it the walk of shame. And you just gotta face it. You gotta face the adversity, and and you walk through and you face it, knowing that you're gonna overcome it. So, uh, and again, when you gotta do, what you gotta do. It's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's it's really it's really nothing wrong with it. But being a uh, uh, 18 or 20, 21, 22 year old kid under 25 years old, um, it can it can kind of be uh, it was kind of detrimental to me. So. Going through that process, and then when I finally got in that room and, and I had my, uh, you know, my person to help me, um, everything was running smooth. And then eventually I was hit with this question. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just seen you playing on TV the other day because I did play my last game at Providence. I had 12 points, you know, last game. I knew it was my last game. Coaches knew it was my last game. And I had a great game. I had 12 points, I think, that, that in the game, whatever it was. So this lady had seen me play on TV. So, uh you know, everything was smooth. And then at the end, she was like, well, you know, before I approve you for this, I would like to know, um, you know, what happened. And I was like, I just don't want to talk about that right, right now. And I was kind of thrown off. And she immediately, you know, went into a whole nother zone and denied me and oh, said, wow. well, basically told me that she's not going to give me services unless I tell her. So I remember leaving out of there crying, you know, crying, crying, like, you know, just frustrated, you know, more from the process. Like, man, I put myself out here. And I get denied because I didn't want to tell my business. So that was hard. I called my father and called my stepmom uh, at the time who was actually working for, uh, she's actually was a supervisor at, down in Yonkers working with those type of things uh, with government assistance. So wow. um, she was able to make a call to, you know, another, another uh, supervisor and kind of, you know, tell, help me, you know, just process what was going on. And, um, you know, before I got, I got, we issued a, a new, a new, a new worker, caseworker, and um, that kind of started the process right there. Um, and when I went through that process, you know, they have a, a, a another process where you know you can you get the food stamps, but they you can also get an income, right? But you have to be there; you can't miss out. Then you have to apply to. I think it was like I want to say seven, but it might have been twelve. Twelve jobs you have to apply to, and you have to go and write them on paper, and you have to do paper applications. So okay. that started the job process. <laughs> so, you know, that, that helped out a little bit, getting that approved, you know, be able to eat, you know, that took, that took away from not being able to eat at night, you know? So, you know, that, that, that helped for a while. And I, I believe I, I probably was on uh, the government assistance for about three to four months. Okay. Um, and it, it, it didn't take long to get me back on my feet. That had to supply you with a lot of motivation 
Oh, yeah. But when you got back into SU or want to, first of all, to continue to try to get back into SU, and then yeah. once you did, to now take advantage of this second chance. Oh, yeah. I was I was ready to go. I, I was ready to go because things, things already had been working in my favor at, at that point, you know. Yeah. Again, I had went. I, uh, you know, during Dick Sporting Goods, I did about a month, a month or so. My cousin calls me um, and said, hey, do you still want to play basketball? I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> so he says, uh, Glenn Brunwolf, who was the GM of the New York Knicks, great friend. He said he's willing to give you a tryout. We were in talks with Allen Houston. We were really in talks with Allen Houston, who was actually running the G League at the time okay. um, for the Erie, Erie Bayhawks. So he said, uh, they'll, they'll give you a tryout, come down, with, you know, whatever the case is. I said, okay. So, I, again, out of shape, 240, 260, whatever. I went down there um, not knowing what the process was. When I say we played about 10 games that day, and I was doing so well at this at this uh this open run that um kids were coming over from another court three courts down at uh Baruch College I want to say uh down the city and was shaking my hand saying hey I know you're gonna make the team that's how well I was doing right I would I would just I was taking charges I was playing so well <laughs> and um we had a break and they said hey we're gonna give a break and um I think I might have you know got got a little injury inside we went to, and I remember being drained. They said, uh, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna cut it down to a top top 20. And then we're to come back. And I'm like, what? A top 20? You know, I'm already gassed. We come back and they bring it down to the 20. Now things get serious. And um what happened during that process, the guys that were there been through this before. So these guys, when I I've been playing all day, I didn't see no one dunk the ball, none of that. When we came down to top 20, those 20 guys, every guy was Windmill dunking, it was a whole nother atmosphere. I thought they brought a whole new set of 20 in, uh, 19 guys. Like, I was a 20th guy. I could not make not one shot. Even my teammates that were on my team, even the team that were, that were on the defending side was like, come on, move, get this shit. They were trying to get me going for this opportunity, but it just didn't work out. But guess who was there? Roosevelt Bowie who was oh there. God, yeah. And Roosevelt, and this is like, like I said, it, it goes from one thing to another. When you just keep pushing forward, you just never know how things is going to happen. I could have been like, I'm not going. I don't want to do this. And then I probably wouldn't have seen all these opportunities to be where I'm at. This is why it's important to push through and take every avenue possible. Um, you know, and, and believe and just believe, believe in God and believe in yourself. And um, so from that, Roosevelt was telling me then, I don't see why you won't make this team. But if you don't, I have an opportunity for you to go to Holland. Right. And so, uh, you know. It didn't it didn't it didn't work out, obviously. I didn't play G League. I didn't play in the D League at the time it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Holland with Roosevelt Bowie. I had a great experience out there. I was averaging 20 points in the first half. <laughs> you know, I was out of shape. I was, you know, getting the wheels rolling. And I thought, you know, I was gonna get a Brandon Reese was out there with me as well, uh playing for another team. And um, we were talking with the China coach. I thought it was gonna happen. I thought I was gonna go to China. I thought, here's my breakthrough, you know, and then it just never panned out. It never panned out. So now we, here we are back to square one. I'm back at home again, you know, watching my watching my daughters again. Um, I remember going in the city and I tell the story all the time because it's very important to me. I was in the city. I went to work with my uncle, my mom. After the argument, my mom, my uncle was going to help somebody, you know, move in the city. So my mom said he needs to make some couple of dollars. So I went with my uncle that morning. Lawrence Moulton calls me. <laughs> 
Lauren Hall called me that morning. I haven't spoke to Mo since, uh, you know, since I was in college playing. Um, and he said, hey, he's getting a, he's got an opportunity to coach the Ranger Sharks out in Rochester, Rochester Ranger Sharks. The Premier League. He he's building the team. Yep. Uh, Dane Miller was on that team. Dane, Dane wasn't expecting to play at the time. Um, so, you know, Mo would say, hey, you can make some money. You, you know, you'll play. You'll, you'll get this, this experience. I go out there. I end up making a team. Um, I was told that this, you know, I got to say that league president was right because he said this might be a last opportunity playing. And he was actually right. That's the last time I actually played basketball. Let me just speed this, speed this, uh, this, this, this story, that story up. So, um, boom, I, uh, I make the team, you know, uh, you know, gracefully I made the team. Dave Miller joins. Um, another guy, Daley Coker from St. John's joins the team. We had a great, a great set of guys. Lawrence Morton bought some guys from Baltimore. We are having a great, a great, a great year. Um, at some point of the season, I have an ankle injury um, playing against a Buffalo team. And I sit out for a little bit. So at the time, I'm all about, you know, trying to make my money, trying to make my opportunity. Um, at the same time, I did the application process to get to Syracuse. So we, we're waiting that. When I made this team, the same day I made this team, Syracuse called me the same day. And see, I was reinstated to come back to school to finish whenever I'm ready. So there goes my plan B if this basketball thing doesn't work out. So it was already set there. Okay, this doesn't work out. Towards the middle of the season, at practice, uh, I'm in a shooting slump. I'm worried that I'm going to lose my job, you, you know, playing because I'm not hitting any shots. The president's walking around with a, with a check sheet. Um, you know, Jerese Crouch come in. I hit the next two, three jumpers. I miss one. I go to rebound, pop my Achilles. <laughs> That'll do it. So, so, you know, there we go. Now, now that's a whole nother process that I had to, had to get through. So that process said, you know what, forget it. Enough is enough. Um, I'm, in, I'm in there. I remember, you know, my daughter's about five, between five and, 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 and eight, um, and a little younger, my two-year-old, two she was two years old at the time. They don't have no recollection of how, you know, daddy's hurt. They're playing on my boot. You know, they're killing it. They're driving me crazy. I look at them, how beautiful they are, and I say, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. I'm, I'm just going to go back to school, and I'm going to finish for them. And um, I already had a plan my whole life. If I don't make it to overseas, or if I'm not playing basketball at the end, I'm just going to go back to school. I'm going to do this. I even thought about going to the Army. I had to do something that had a purpose. I just knew that. So um, it, it just it just worked out the way it did. And then, you know, going through that application process, uh, you know, the people who supported me with that, my cousin John and my father, um, you know, I think I think my dad, my dad should talk about to this day. He was like, he, he, uh, Kelly got, got Russell Soul. She was a secretary. Um, and my father called, called, called her. She she pushed him right through to Coach Behan. And uh, from that, Coach Behan talked to Joe Fields, wherever he had to talk to. And these guys, before I know it, I was back on campus. Um, and just my mindset, I can tell you this. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but coming into school, I wasn't always a, a, a student. At all. You know, I wasn't the best student. Um, you can ask my classmates. Never seen me read a book ever. Um, the, the, the best book I ever read in my life was Captain Underpants. If you know what that is, it's like a second, first grade reading level. You know, there were like two or three books in my life. So I didn't I didn't have the education part. But when I tell you this, it's like, uh, you know, when you get older, you get wiser. Um, and that was my first experience of seeing that, because when I came back to school, I was taking back those classes that, you know, I maybe didn't finish the incomplete classes or the classes that I felt. Mm -hmm. um religion class uh uh, uh uh a psychology class i believe it was a sociology a, so, a sociology class i believe it was or you know some science classes and i tell you this 
uh, those classes that I took were, were key were key to my success um, of getting back on my feet. Because uh, that religion class that I took um, taught me a lot of a lot of other different things that you know we don't have to get into today. But you know, it, it took me into a whole other mindset of, of of thinking and believing and, and praying and a whole other, a whole other level of thinking. I was actually raising my hand in classes, and it was the same professor, and he was actually. Like, hey, and, you know, I went from maybe an F or a D to a C. I didn't get an A, but I got a C. And for me, that was that was good enough. Sure. You know, for, for me, you know, coming back into college and, you know, again, reading Captain, Captain Underpants is the only book that I had, you know, as experience of, of a reading level of understanding. Um, And then it was another class that was just, you know, I can I, I want to say it was the social the site class. And I think they were taught it was a great, a great professor. And um, this class was like a, full of 300 kids. And I remember so much was about the uh, courage, uh, being courageous, those type of things. And I still, it's crazy that, you know, still to this day, I've come up on binders of notes that I took in Syracuse. I was writing things out. I was writing things out. I was writing all my flaws out. I was writing what I, who I am as a person, uh, you know, t- saying, saying, killing myself, being the worst critic, you know, just saying, saying, saying the, the, the meanest things I could say to myself saying the most positive things I can say to myself. It's still in the book. And one day I'll hand that book to kids so they can remember that. And that kind of... Sounds like a completely mindset. different Mookie Jones than the one it was, a different, it was a freshman. Different guy. Yeah. Because I knew, I knew one thing, Mike. If I, I knew that if I messed this one up, um, I, I was afraid that I may never get an opportunity again to, to, to you know, get back on my feet or do something special. I was afraid to go back home um, and, and fall back into things that... Um, wouldn't lead me to where I am now. And uh, I, I could say, you know, being frightened by that, um, just kind of kept the laser focus right into it. And, you know, when all these things happen, you know, people don't speak about it. When, you, when you're on a down, you get suspended, when you're such a high-rated uh, player or whatever, a known, well-known person, uh, when you have your downfall, a lot of things, a lot of people separate themselves from you. So it gets quiet. Mm-hmm. And you find out the people who really matter to you. And when those people that are not for you or, or is just there for the ride and they disappear, it's easier to focus. Um, and then when you substitute those people in with people who want to be there, who want to help you, who want to see you succeed, it's like, you know, it's like a new set of wings. So I, I had a whole new, uh, a, a whole new fresh, 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 fresh air, you know, to breathe again, it felt like. <laughs> yeah. And and from there, it just, it just kept, it just kept getting better and better. And, and still to this day, you know, every year I always say, oh, it's going to end. It's going to end, you know, in some way you're just not knowing, but it just gets better and better. And it's, and, and my level of of importance is just getting higher. So I just take it serious and I just try to educate myself. I am reading books now. <laughs> I am, you know, I am. Uh, I'm yeah. out to four in the morning every night, listen to podcasts. I'm, I'm studying, I'm studying life. I'm fascinated with it and, and I love it, you know, and it's, and it's, it drives me insane to just want to learn more, you know, and I, I do need to take a break at some point and, and cool down. But right now I just can't, I got to keep the train, the train moving forward. You know, it's a beautiful well, thing. I got to tell you, Mo, it, yours is in a, is a really incredible and inspiring story. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, need a second chance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when that second chance comes along, they don't take advantage of it. You obviously did. Mm-hmm. And because of I, everything you've gone through and, and what you've done, um, I think the kids that you're working with at OnTech are very, very lucky to have you around. 
Uh, and the Syracuse community uh, should know what kind of guy they got uh, with uh, Mookie Jones sticking around in the area. And that's why when I saw you playing summer league ball uh, the yeah. other day, I knew right away. I said, I got to get Mookie on the podcast as soon as I can. Um, nice. Just because I, I think yours is, is such an inspiring story. So listen, thank you for coming on the podcast and, and, thank you, and talking to everybody today, man. It's always so good to see you. Not a problem. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you big time, man. All right. Thank you. I wanted to thank Mookie for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.